0: welcome to the more than coach speak podcast my name is chris holtman i'm the head basketball coach here at ohio state my co-host is terence dials terence was a terrific uh, player here at ohio state 2006 big 10 player of the year and he's currently on our coaching staff we look forward to bringing you interesting and insightful guests uh, that will dive into coaching and leadership uh, in the world of sports uh, thank you for listening enjoy this podcast Our next guest on More Than Coach Speak is Coach Tom Izzo. Uh, Tom has uh, an incredible 333 and 160 record uh, in the Big Ten. He's got uh, almost 700 wins total, um, won the NCAA championship in 2008, Final Fours, uh, 10 Big Ten regular season championships, uh, six tournament championships. Um, And then I think what uh, many have said is maybe his most impressive uh, quality or or accomplishment, excuse me, is 25 straight NCAA tournament uh, wins. He's also a a 2006 Basketball Hall of Fame inductee. So enjoy uh, Tom. He's always uh, unfiltered and uh, honest. And he's been uh, uh, a guy that uh, so many of us have have respected throughout his career. So enjoy uh, Coach coaches. All right. Ready. We ready, Tyler. All right. All right, coach. I, I appreciate you being on here. Uh, I, I really do. Um, uh, Tom, we, you know, I, I've told you, told you the very first time I coached uh, against you, how much uh, respect I had for you and how much I admired you from a distance. So excited to do this and um, excited to get into some stuff here. And um, um, I just, again, pre- appreciate you be, being on here for a minute. I'll just, I'll start with, you know, kind of an easy first one here for you. Um, I think you're going into year 28. I think you've been doing this 27 years um you have a top 5 re, uh team returning um you've won a national championship eight final fours like
1: wait a second the sun's going to get us
0: okay all right. so <laughs> have to start again yeah we'll start again
1: Sorry. If I didn't do that, I would, uh, I'd look like an idiot. You'd beat me in recruiting more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, guys. No, you're Whoa. good. You're good. Yeah,
0: You're good. Yeah. So, um, okay. Well, yeah. One, two, three, here we go. Coach. Great. Uh, great having you on, uh, you know how much uh, respect I have for you a- as a competitor in your career. So I appreciate you coming on here for a few minutes and talking about coaching the coaching profession, and everything that goes into it and how it's changed. And in my mind, there's nobody better in college basketball to uh, talk about some of these things uh, than you and hopefully help young coaches. But you've been doing this now. You're going in 28th year. Um, you've had incredible success. You won a national championship um, in 2008, Final Fours. You're in the Hall of Fame. You have a top five team returning. Like, when are you retiring, man? Like, when are you giving this thing up here? <laughs>
1: uh, I would have liked to have done it right after your game with us last year in <laughs> Chicago. But I I decided to stay for the punishment. But, you know, Chris, uh, you know, I feel the same about you. You know, this profession of that we picked is crazy. You know, you look at all the things going on, even what's going on at Northwestern now. and And I think the one thing that my boss said to me, that why I appreciate you or why I wanted to be on your show coaches better start than taking care of coaches. You know, I think with this new NIL and the transfer rule and all the things that are going on, I think there's getting to be more ad- adversarial relationships between coaches. And if we don't take care of each other, I don't think the media, the alums, the administration, anybody else is going to take care of us. So um you know you and I have always had a good relationship because I've appreciated the way you've done it and uh Bobby Knight said something to me the first time the first day I got the job um I had I'd always admired Bob I was an assistant for 13 years I never really even met him I mean at the end of the handshake line you know Bob was a guy that just moved on and uh and he called me that day I got the job, and he said, Judd and I are good friends. He said, as long as you don't cheat and do it the right way, I'm going to be your guy. I'm going to take care of you. And you know what? Win or lose, he did that. And uh, so I've always thought of guys like that. And, you know, there's times uh, that, um, you know, media is after me. Media is after you. Media is after all of us. I always think it's my job to stick up for the people that I care about. And that's our profession.
0: You, you, you know, you say that in your actions, what people don't know is um, I ran into a coach the other day, he was sharing a story with me. um, And he said that a few years back, he was a head coach at a place and there was a disagreement over, um, uh, he had a kid in a transfer uh, that was considering transfer and, um, and there was an issue and he was getting, the coach was getting a ton of criticism by some, some uh, local, but more national media members. And you picked up the phone uh, and called and he, this like no one told him, it just came to his attention that you picked up the phone and, and just explain the situation to the national media guy from a coach's perspective, you know, from a perspective whose livelihood is based, you know, perhaps on on this kid and, and retaining this kid and in some of the situations that it put him in. And it meant the world to him. And it wasn't like he was one of your former assistants. It wasn't like, you know, you did that. So clearly uh, that's been something that's imp- been important for you in terms of advocating for coaches.
1: Well, as you know, Chris, uh, you are the one that got me in and in- Touch with your own uh, football coach. You know, I I look at coaches in general. I came here as an assistant with Nick Saban. We started together. Then we, Nick left for the pros, came back. We were head coaches. Uh We both started to be head coaches together. And uh I, I just think coaches are in a tough situation right now. You know, what has hurt coaching is talk radio. That yeah. was, that seemed brutal until 12 years ago when, when those phones, those, these things, they should be illegal, you know, these phones yeah. and, and they came and, uh, and that really gave everybody a chance to just have their own opinion. You know, I wish I had the same opinion of my doctor, my dentist, and, and I could voice it outwardly. I mean, I never seen so many people uh, know what play to call in football or what players to play in basketball that have never played the game, but it's part of the entertainment of it. I, I guess we have to put up with it. But there comes a time when, uh no, you know what? Uh, I'm sticking up for the guys that are doing it, especially the guys that are doing it right. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have platforms. I guess that's my platform here in the uh, back nine of a mediocre career.
0: Well, far from mediocre. The, the credibility that goes behind that, though, like, you know, it's different when, Tom Izzo is advocating uh, versus maybe somebody else who hasn't been as accomplished. Let let me, let me ask you that. So, you know, we talked about your career and you know, who knows, maybe it'll go on for another 10 years. Uh, You'll coach as long as you want to coach. That's for sure. Why have you had, and, and this may be a hard question for you to answer, but why would, would you say you've had, the amount of success you've had, both the sustained success. But if you reflect back, because the game has changed and, you know, um, you could people say kids have changed. I think kids still want, you know, what kids wanted 25 years ago. But why do you think you've had the success you've had?
1: You know, it's a good question. I mean, I've been fortunate. um I've had good players, but I don't get everybody's McDonald's All-Americans, you know, and things like that. 90% of us, 98% of us, you included, Painter, you know, we've had success with some good players, but we're not usually getting the Kentucky and Duke players. I mean, let's let's be honest about it. But I think sometimes that works to your advantage because you get a chance to build a culture. And that's what I feel sorry for for the younger coaches. You know, are you going to get a chance to build a culture? Um, Jay Wright did a great job. He used to always say, my job is to get old. You know, you recruit guys that you're going to have three and four years. I mean, I've had one and done. So have you. I've had two and done's, so I've had three and done's, But over my career, I probably had more three and four year guys, which yeah. means... Um, Early on, when I had Mateen Cleaves, I I realized that a player-coach team is much better than a coach-coach team. I've kept that theory and philosophy my whole time. What I've been able to do here because of the fact I was an assistant here for 12 years, then I was a head coach for 28 years. Um, You know, the Magic Johnsons who didn't play for me but come back all the time, we brought our players back. And what that does is it creates the culture. If you yeah. think I can speak and it matters when Steve Smith or Sean or Mateen Cleaves or Magic Johnson, you know, Jaron Jackson's miles, Bray, those, those kids, for some reason, and I think Irvin had a lot to do with it early, Steve Smith and Mateen later. Um, that really gives me an added uh, punch because, yeah. um, you know, I'm not just like you. If we have an average season or something, everybody's mad at me, you know. Those guys come to your rescue. So I worry with this transfer portal, are the younger coaches going to get a chance to build the culture? Um, even the even the uh, NBA or NFL, you know, I look at Mahone at Kansas City. Why did they build it? I look at my own guy, Draymond Green and, and the Warriors. They've had four guys, five guys, I think, Inga Dalla and Raymond and Steph and even uh their center. I mean, they've been there 10 years or more. The GM was there 10 years. The head coach, that's like un-American. That can't happen. But that's why they've sustained success. So that's going to be the challenge for me for a few more years, for you for a lot more years, and for the young guys that are really going to have to, Stay aware of that, if you ask me. That's why I think I've had success. Um uh, you're, you're you one of the very,
0: you're one of the very few coaches, you mentioned it, who have not in this era, have not tapped into the transfer market at a significant level. Obviously, you have a really good player in Walker, who was a transfer, multi-year transfer, um, not a not a one-year transfer. But you've really stayed, I mean, that is really something you believe. Uh, it, it appears you you believe in getting old with guys you've recruited out of high school. And if you are going to take a transfer, a
1: multi-year guy. Yeah, I'd say that's true. I'm trying to do that. I'm not saying I will continue to do that because, as you know, our jobs are getting crazier. And uh, I don't think anybody, I, I, I'll ask you, I don't think you thought, and you and I talked, that it would get this crazy. Now I'm seeing some of the stats that are coming out. And most of these transfers are transferring down. I don't think kids, they thought they were going to Ohio State and Michigan State and Michigan and Purdue from the Centrals, Easterns, and Westerns. It happens once in a while. But what has happened, you've had one. I've I've talked to some people. When you get them from the Ivy League, Michigan has had, there may be four-year guys that are already there. Then they transfer. They're really solid-based guys. They're academically strong you know, this thing of this freewheeling stuff. I don't know if you can build a program like that. Yeah. It happens. I mean, Miami got lucky. You know, we, we had a kid named Walker here in football was a transfer. Oh, yeah. But yeah. we had 16 others on that team that didn't do much. You know, yeah. how much can you rely on them? I don't know. Right now, I enjoy. I've got a pretty good balance of older guys and younger guys. As long as I can keep that going. But I don't expect that to be the reality because reality right now is, you know, everybody gets up every morning. I mean, I do probably like you. I got my phone right next to my bed, uh, you know, and I wake up. My wife said, "What are you doing?" I turn it up. I say, "Hey, nobody transferred. Nobody's mad. Nobody's upset." And and I think, Chris, that's the last thing I worry about that I think is important because I know you don't do it. But I think we got teams. That are starting and assisting coaches that are starting to recruit people off other people's campus. That is about the lowest form of life there is, if you ask me. You know, if a kid wants to transfer and you contact, that's fine. But to kind of going selecting and calling and cold calling. Yeah. Hey, are you happy or you know? It, it, we we laughed about it. We said we're going to be in a handshake line, and I'm going to walk by and you know give Liddell uh, uh, my, yeah. my my card. As I yeah. shake his hand, my card's in there. Call me if you're unhappy with Chris, you know. <laughs> I think that is becoming a little bit of a reality. Yeah. And that really scares me because we'll self-destruct them.
2: Yeah. T D. Yeah, <laughs> coach. Um, you know, I've admired your career as well. Um, obviously I played against played against some of your great, you know, your great teams, you know, with Chris Hill and all those guys. But um, do you think you can still coach the way you did when you first started, like, you know, early? early 2000s, late, late nineties, the guys now is, has your coaching style changed? I mean, you know, you're, you're infamous for being a tough, a t- tough minded coach. Is that kind of the same now or have you had to shift how you coach um, the new generation? Hell no, I
1: couldn't do the same. <laughs> Hell yes, I've changed. And yet you could have played for me. <laughs> you had a little toughness, but you know, I, I, I laugh about it because people think, you know, you're tough now. I mean, you know, I I said to my team, I had a team meeting yesterday. I said, what do you want me to do? And I got down on my hands and knees. Would you guys please go to class? Would you guys please guard somebody? I mean, that's what administrators want now. That's what public wants now. Let me tell you something, guys. There's one thing I've learned. You know, I, I use football a lot. Coach Day, you know, I think is yep. great. I've used football great. a lot. And, um, and at the end of the day, with all these new schemes and the passing and the, you know, uh, run pass options, the RPOs, all the things that they do, you better be able to block and tackle if you're going to win championships. Yep. You know what? In basketball, you better be able to defend and rebound. And I still think, You can be a certain way and win 16, 18 games. You can be a little different way and win 20, 22 games. But if you're going to try to compete for Big Ten championships, uh, you know, deep runs in the tournament, national championships, the my bads and the one mistake, you're out in our, you know, this isn't the NBA where it's best out of seven. One bad. So you have to drill that and you have to talk about that. And you have to let them know. Yes, it's okay to make a mistake, not if you want to win championships. Yeah. And that is where there's the real fight right now. But have I changed? Oh, yeah, hell yeah. You know, we, we came back from Ohio State back when I had Zach Randolph and Mateen Cleaves and guys like that. We got beat on the boards for the first time. Yes, I put our guys in football pads the next day. We had the greatest – time ever you know we played our little rebounding drill at the end of practice Mateen was trying to teach 610 guys how to snap a chin strap and I was mad and I was hoping that it would be an anger session those guys had so much fun every reunion that's all they talk about and then they say coach let's watch the tape I said the tape I destroyed that tape I'd get sued now if somebody saw that tape so it has been changed it's different Part of it is sad. I mean, we all have to make adjustments, right, Chris? We all have to treat guys a little differently. Yeah. But if you want to win championships and you want to be an elite player, I, I think that it hasn't changed as much as people think. And I thought you said a great thing, Chris. I don't know if players have changed this much. The people around them have changed. The parents, the adults, the media, they're the ones that change and cause the problems. Agents and all those people yeah magic said to me something one time i asked him if i could coach in the pros he said hell yes pat Riley, tough as nails you know this and that he said the great players want to be coached the great players want to be pushed to the ultimate limit Yeah, i still believe that guys i really do yep.
0: well it, it's amazing because when you uh people would look at you and and you're coaching style from a distance. And, and I I realize like, that's the, that's the dangerous thing. The snapshots on TV are far different. Like they don't see the one-on-one conversations with you and a player in your office, you know, time after time again, like I, I, you know, what people see is us, you know, ripping a kid's ass as opposed to they don't see all the time that goes in before that because um, there is a there is a number of hours of trust when players really believe that you have their best interest, that you genuinely want what's best for them. And it's clear they believe that with you. Um, and people who've worked for you talk about your your relationship, how strong those are, and how it might carry you through some turbulent times that you're going to have when you're trying to do something really hard.
1: Boy, that is... That is so well said. You know, if you asked me what I was best at, it wouldn't be rebounding or defense or your fast break or all the things people give each one of us some credit and a lot of blame for, but it would be spending time. And if I, you know, this is for a lot of coaches and young coaches, and if I could tell you the one thing, people do not trust you because of your title anymore. You used yeah. to be president, everybody trusted the president. FBI, everybody trusted Priests, everybody trusted a priest. Clergy, you know, of any kind. Now, everything's got to be earned. And every guy you get in, it's a new person. You know, it's a new team. And I think that as we get older, you know, we're in this profession where as we get older, um, most professions, your clientele gets older with you. Ours, stay like 16, 17 to 22. So we got to come with fat ties, skinny ties, long hair, short hair, bell bottom, straight leg, mini skirts, uh, <laughs> long skirts. I mean, you name it, uh, rap music, Western music. This We got to learn a lot of stuff, man, as coaches. <laughs> we got to be the most diverse human beings on the planet because we go through all these things. Yeah. And yet, if you get a guy to trust you, you know, and I've had some guys that were knuckleheads when they got here. And but I also get help from my older players. I get help from my alums. I mean, I'll have Draymond call somebody or Gary Harris or this guy or that guy. And and I think that's what you don't see. And uh time spent and I spend it with parents. I mean, I have parent meetings like high school. It's it's bizarre. And I mean, you and I Did have you talk- always do that, Tom. Have you always you know, done that? It was about year three, Uh, Mateen Cleaves' mother threatened my life if I didn't talk to her and this and that. And she became my best advocate. And to this day, uh, I I owe a lot to her because uh, she wanted me to hold him accountable. I remember one time he was kind of talking back to me, you know, uh, at Penn State. And unfortunately, at Penn State at the time, you know, you know, there was nobody in the stands. So his mother was sitting four rows back and he looks at me and he's saying something. And all of a sudden I hear, don't you look at him that way? And she was talking to Mateen about me. And I looked back and I said, thank you. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the relationship. And so what I try to do, and you and I have talked about it, and it's just about building culture where the parents, when we have reunions, a lot of parents come back. And um, it is something special, but you got to remember, too, this is my 40th year here as a GA on up. So that gives me a little advantage, but I would advise coaches out there, don't think national champion, uh, coach of the year, Hall of Fame, don't think that matters to the new guys coming in because you have to earn your own respect and you have to spend your time with them, and and of all the things you do, um, motivating a player. You know, it doesn't matter if he can run the play. If he's not motivated to run it hard, it's probably not going to be good. Yeah. So, motivating players is probably our number one goal. That and I call it the double D's. Keep guys away from the double D's. That's dirt bags and distractions. And mm-hmm. if you can keep guys away from dirt
2: bags and distractions, you got a chance. I think to win coach, you often spoke about your former players, um like guys like draymond green and and Gary Harris. How important do you think it is for as a culture for those guys to come back? Is it organic or is your staff like reaching out to our to your former players like, hey, um, we need you back on campus or these guys like to come back um and just kind of pour into the the, the current team? you know what I mean? Well, like, I how think, think I think I've you?
1: heard that you guys are doing some of that. You're doing it now and, and I'll bet you're going to reap great benefits from it. Um, yeah. I don't think many other than us and you, I'm sure others do it, but I mean, on a basis where trying to get your pros back again, I get help. It's not all me. Uh Magic parents live here. So he always came back, you know, but then, you know, the, the Mateen Cleaves is for me. were just guys uh, that really enjoyed coming back and, really helped me build that culture and uh steve smith was another one he was the first guy i recruited as an assistant and so when you have those guys coming back uh then they're the pipe pipers that drag everybody else and it takes time i mean the Mm -hmm. first reunions were small then they got bigger and you as a former player you got to carry the load a little bit it's not all the coaches like i said players play the game a player-coach team is better than a coach-coach team. Um, I could sit here in an office and talk to a player, and if Malik Hall grabs him when he walks out, he probably gets more out of him than I do. That doesn't bother me. Uh, you know, I understand that probably when I was 18, I didn't care what some 60-year-old guy said either. You know, it's it's not a negative. It's learning how to adjust and, and you know, kind of use that to your advantage. And that's what I've done. And I think as you guys build yours, I think you're going to be amazed on, on what it does. So hat off to you, Chris, and what you guys are doing there too.
0: Yeah, we've loved it. We we've loved it. And your, your place has been uh, a a model in a lot of ways. I know Carolina's done some things uh, too, but you know, that, that's, that's important to us is that, that guys that I didn't coach uh, feel a part of, a part of this place. And, you know, listen, when you have a, a, when you struggle like we did this year, they feel that too. And, and they want, they want to win more than anybody, but they, I, I want them to feel a part of it. I, you know, we've really, uh, since we've been here in six past six years, we've tried to do it. And I love what we've done uh, every summer. I'll, I'll jump in here on TD's uh, point there. Did you think Draymond would have this level of, of, of success um, in the NBA at the you know, at the next level,
1: that's another hell no, (laughs) Uh, you know, um, I mean, I love Dre and you gotta remember he came here 282 pounds, you know, and a lot of adjustments, a lot of things changed, but you know, he, he had two things that I think are really critical now. I mean, he had toughness. I mean, I mean, some of those timeouts, I mean, (laughs) you know, they were (laughs) tough on me, but, uh, (laughs) You know, everybody worries about what I say to them. Forget about what they say to you, you know. But um, but the other thing he had is a very, very high basketball IQ. Yeah. Yep. And as you know, in coaching, that's getting to be more difficult to yep. get guys with high basketball yep. IQs. And uh I think that's that's very, very important. But uh, you know, no, I did not think, you know, he it wasn't like he spent a ton of time on his game. Every year it got better. But, you know, he had one other quality, guys, that every time I talk to Steve Kerr or Bob Meyer out there, you know, because there's times that he frustrates them too. I mean, but I absolutely love the guy because they always say, and winning time, he answers the bell. You know, his first year, I think he played about eight minutes a game. You know, now, Chris, they'd be transferring four times in that. And he he played about eight minutes a game. But towards the end of the year, it was 10 and 12. And it was always the last part. And that year we went to a final four in Detroit. And he was a big part of it as a freshman. The next year we went to a final four in Indy. And I just started realizing it wasn't, we didn't have a great team, but we had an absolute incredible winner. And I think I've had a lot of good players. So have you. But, you know, when Magic was here, one of the ultimate winners, I wasn't here. Um, you know, and then Mateen Cleaves, one of the ultimate winners. I mean, didn't care if he scored five points or 20. He was happy in the locker room. You know, you know what he was doing? He was grabbing the stat sheet in the locker room just to make sure of the total. Did we win or did we lose? You know, he didn't care about his. Yeah. And then Draymond was the other one. And each one of those guys went to multiple Final Fours. Yeah, and there's a reason, you know. Yeah, good players, but boy, a Pied Piper that led the way, and I think you and I are always trying to find a good leader. Oh man, and it is hard. Oh, the, the 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 qualities of
0: those those two guys you mentioned. Um, I mean, they're just they're they're rare. Yeah, elite elite level competitiveness. An incredible amount of unselfishness in terms of how they lead and give, and you see that in how they play. Um, it, it's 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 really been it was really fun to watch those guys compete, and still fun to watch Draymond. A couple basketball questions: Have you ever in your career, in the off season, said, "Man, I think we're going to play some zone this year"? Because I don't know if you've ever done it. I really <laughs> do. I don't think you ever have. Have you ever played a possession <laughs> zone?
1: You know, I got assistants. I should fire them all. Cause every year I do say it. And then they, you do, they don't even give me the time of day. They say, <laughs> you won't do it. I did do it back when I had Cleves in them. Uh, Cause I had Morris Peterson and he couldn't guard the computer I'm looking at. So I had to find a way to hide him. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, there were times that I, I did play a little bit early. Um, you know, I wish I would do a better job. You know, everybody says, well, you're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that doesn't mean I do everything right, because I do think there should be more diversity in your in your offenses and defenses, too, you know. And so this summer, we might surprise you. I might, you know, one year, you know what I did? I, a, a reporter was getting on me. I said, you wouldn't know if I'm in man or zone. So the first five <laughs> possessions, I played zone just for the hell of it. I didn't have a clue whether I was no in clue. man or and but, that is not a surprise no but um I, I I do think I have to do a better job of that like last year we're in the tournament and that little guard from Kansas State ate us alive yep and maybe that would have slowed him down a little bit you know so um yeah I I wish that I would expand and so like all good head coaches, I'm blaming my assistants and those guys, I told them, I said, you should gang up on me or you against me and tell me we got a zone. And so this summer, you know, we're working a little bit on the zone, but uh yeah. I don't think they believe in me, Chris. They don't believe in me.
0: Yeah. Well, they have a track record to doubt that, that you'll <laughs> ever play a possession of zone. What about your, you're known for uh, one of the one of the things you guys are known for outside of your really good man to man defense is your tempo after a team scores on you, and there aren't many people that you know now that have played a ton of people who get the ball inbound, uh, inbounded as quickly as you do. I mean, it's Tom, as you know this, it is something you have to prepare for playing your team. Everybody has to play for transition off of misses or a block shot or a turnover we understand that um have you always done that and was that a philosophical thing
1: well i'll be honest with you i wanted to do it i I, you know when when judd was here we didn't do that much i wanted to do it i got a kid like mctean cleaves now you got a pretty good point guard yourself you can get up the court and i i got a feeling you're going to be pushing even more than you even have because he's pretty damn good and he He's kind of built like a Cleves. He kind of, you know, he, he's got a lot of great qualities. Keeping pressure on, it, uh, to me, it does two things. Number one, eventually, and a, and a guy taught me this, sooner or later the other team makes a mistake and wears down. You know, when when you look at our games, Chris, in the Big Ten, the number of games you win and lose by three or four points or less is scary. I mean, you could have a bad year and you go back and you say, God, I was in at 90% of those games. I lost by three in every single bad coaching. Maybe you did a hell of a job because you didn't have a good enough team and you kept them in it. But I think keeping the pressure on people is really good. And it, And, you know, what I'm going to do a little bit more this year since I have a little more depth is try to wear us down. Then when I'm subbing, nobody's mad. (laughs) I don't have mom yelling at me, you know, but uh, because the the player's raising his hand, get me out. I'm tired. So we're going to try to run even more, but you're right. It has been a staple. We've had our good years and bad years. And usually it's, it's, it's perpetrated on, you know, do you have a good enough point guard that can, can really push it every time. And I think not to, Tell you what to do, but I think you've got one of those guys this year that really, and it, it really changed. And that's why I gave you credit. You know, you and I talked during the year. You were struggling. You kind of stuck to some things. You stuck to some things with those young kids. I mean, eventually, um, whether people believe it or not, we have to play the best players. And 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 most of us, you're going to try to live and die with your veterans to to give them the best opportunity, but some. Sometimes they got to give you the best yep. situation too. And uh, so, uh, you know, that's where the jobs get tough. And And that's what I really felt for you um, last year. I wasn't happy you beat us. I was happy you beat us because your team was coming. Your team was good. good work. And then you made a little run in the tournament and you kind of stuck to what you believed in and uh, it paid off.
0: I I appreciate it. You you know, we were playing well, uh, really, you know, really well after just a brutal, you know, really six weeks um, when we headed up to your place, your, your place, incredible environment. It's the only place in six years we've not won on the road. We've won at every other Big Ten venue except yours, the Big Ten office. I just want to Say big thanks. They love putting us there on senior night, which is always a lot of fun uh, for us. It's an incredible, incredible environment. But we were playing well uh, at, at that point up there, and you guys played really well. It reminded me a little bit of, we played you guys. I, I thought your next Final Four team um, was the, the pandemic year. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was... Because you've, I thought that was going to be your second Final Four team since I've coached against you. It was, I think, our best team. It was our third year here. We had size and and defense and offensive versatility. And you had a terrific team. And you you were playing as well as a as your teams normally do. It didn't surprise me you got to the Sweet Sixteen. But that was a really good team you had when uh, COVID took away our, our postseason.
1: Well, yeah, that's when, you know, that was the year that Cassius Winston lost his brother tragically yeah. to a suicide in the beginning of the year. So we kind of, you know, we kind of went through some things like you went through, you know. I mean, people don't realize, boy, when things go wrong during a the year, uh, then the media's on you, fans are on you, you know. It, it, it used to be they were on you. You get paid a lot of money. I get paid a lot of money. We should be able to handle that. We're experienced. Yep. But these kids that's where the social media really gets them, you know, these kids get killed on that. So like you said, at the end of that year, we were probably playing some of our best basketball and yet, you know, we had some battles that year too. You were very good that year. And it's kind of sad because that gets taken away. I mean, even a couple of COVID years, you know, you've only been there six years or so, but for me, I mean, I've had two or three average years there in that stretch. We still got to the tournament, but uh, they were average years. And COVID years, it was like survival, you know. I mean, every kid on every team handled it differently. I had the kid, Joey Hauser. He did not handle it very well. Then he came back last year and had a great year, you know. Uh, So I think – I think that year, the the COVID – you have the,
0: the, I believe the longest streak in college basketball, right? 25 straight years, which, you know, I'm sure you're incredibly proud of your national championship. Um, You know, we had done it eight years up until this past year, if you include the COVID year and 25 years is an incredible level of consistency. I think, the COVID year where it was touch and go there in the last month of the year was as impressive as anything because you you got to the tournament that year. I think you might have uh, – did you play UCLA maybe in the first round?
1: Yeah, we did, and uh, and we weren't very good, and we had a 13-point lead, and then I started coaching, and we lost in <laughs> overtime. So that was tough, but, but then UCLA went on to a Final Four. That shows you how crazy it is. And, you know, that's the other thing people don't realize – And why getting in the tournament, what you can do. You know, the second game, I want to say we're supposed to play somebody real good and they got upset. And that's what's bizarre about that tournament. You know, sometimes uh, the year we won it, Kenyon Martin was at Cincinnati. He breaks his leg in the conference tournament or we would have been a two seed. We wouldn't have been in Cleveland and wouldn't have been in Detroit. Makes a difference. You know, sometimes you got to be lucky too. And, And so... You know, what you talk about, I, I think, is the key for all of us. You know, yeah, you want to win a championship. Can you be consistent? Yep. And, you know, the way to be consistent is not change who you are and what you are. I mean, uh, I don't say this for your fans, but, you know, I've said it publicly. I I think you've done a hell of a job there, and it's not an easy job. You know, you're in a school where football is, is so big and this and that, and yet – you're starting to blend it. And that's what I did here. You know, football and basketball can coexist together. And I think when you embrace the other sport, um, you know, like our football guys love what we're doing well, they have their recruiting up in February and January, you know, and me, you know, like you, I'm sure you bring them to your games. And I know you have a good relationship with coach day, and I have a good relationship with coach talk. And, and Mark D'Antonio and George Pearl right on down the road. For me, I've gone through six or seven football coaches, six or seven ADs, and six or seven presidents. So, uh, you know, the only thing I've stepped with is my wife. You know, that's only one, but everything else is six or seven. So it's, uh, you know, this is four coaches, and I'm just saying consistency, and you're a big part of the consistency. You know, you did not crumble last year through a tough five six weeks yep. that is maybe the best thing you did and you just won't realize it until four or five years from now when you're in a final four winning a national championship and you're gonna look back on that one and say wow i look back on my couple of years early on with Cleves and them and i said man how did i survive that you know Darren says, how did they survive it? I say, how did I survive it? You know, <laughs> they were tough on me too.
0: Uh, last so, couple of questions. I know you got an appointment coach. Um, go ahead, TD.
2: Yeah. If your son, Stephen wants to coach, right? Like I know he's seen you up close and personal for the last up uh, 20 uh, something years. And um, he's been on your team for the last few years. What are the most important qualities you're telling him of a coach? Like if he wants to get into this business, what are you going to tell him? uh, that he needs to do in order to get, in order to get in. Well, I'm
1: telling my son, don't do it. But if I was <laughs> advising other coaches out there that, you know, I, I would just say, you know, be yourself. Um, but realize that the work, I mean, the work you did five years ago, Chris has been doubled because of NLI, because of the, transfer portal i mean your job never ends there is no off season i mean i'm not complaining about it we get paid good but we need to recharge our batteries too yeah we're no different that's than right. players that's if right. i called your wife and said well what days off did chris have yeah. you know where you're really off i bet i could count him on my hand yeah. and i don't think that's healthy either so i would say that uh i've got a a sign in my office. It says, "Do you love? Do you like it, love it, or live it?" And mm-hmm. I always say, "To be a champion, you got to between love and live it. To be mm-hmm. a pro, you got to be between love and live it." You know how many guys we've all had that just like the game. That's right. Well, that's good. That's good for about sixteen wins in an average yep. year, and yep. you know yep. it's mediocrity. So I, I would say that they have to find some balance. Uh, yep. There's times. T D that I don't think I found balance. And sometimes it, it hurts me. And I'm I'm still trying to accomplish that right now and and telling my staff to do that. Like I will tell them to get the hell out of here. I never told them that. Judd never told me that. He told me to work
2: longer. <laughs> yeah, speaking of when I when I played, our coaches couldn't touch us in the summer, right? It right. was just literally our strength coach. Do you do you wish we can go back to those days where you guys had probably you weren't in the gym as much in the summer, or do you like guys being able to work out with the coaches throughout the summer? It kind of lessens your breaks. You know, you don't get as much time off obviously, but do you prefer that or the, the older model that they had when kind of I played back in the day? Wow. What a
1: what a million dollar question. Are you a media guy now or what? You're putting <laughs> me on the spot. Um, you know, I would say this. I like having access, mm-hmm. but I don't like it to have to be regimented, you know, like if I want to work with a kid on his shot, I should be able to do that. He he just, he should come up to me. I don't like players feeling that they're obligated, but, but remember this as a parent, as a coach, our job is to push guys farther than they'd be pushed. You want to be a pro. You ain't going to be a pro working out six months a year. Ain't Mm -hmm. happening. So, I look at what the players want, and I always tell them, "Tell me what you want." Oh, well, they all want to win a championship. They all want to, you know. Uh, they say they want to graduate because they're afraid I'll tell mom. They they all say they want to be a pro, want to be an all American. I've had some Chris Hill. You remember him? He wanted to be an academic all American, and he became one. Uh, Xavier my Tillman overseas. Yeah, Xavier <laughs> Tillman was one. He became an academic all American. But once they tell me what they want, I look at it It's my job to push them to get there. See, I came from a town of 7,000. My buddy Mariucci and I, he made it to the NFL. I made it, you know, to a national champion. Our chances of getting there were a million to one. About the same chances my players have of becoming pros. Mm -hmm. And I always tell them, you know what, guys? And I'll tell this to the young coaches out there. When it seems so far-fetched, you're looking at a guy that lived his dream. Not many people live their dream, hmm. and yet I think I work for it. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, so finding a happy medium, I like I like uh, being uh, a guy that gets to work out with our guys in the summer. I just don't want it where it's so mandatory that everybody is, oh, I have to do this. No, you get to do this. That's what I'd rather. You know, tum-tum there in my little garden. It's guys, we don't have to do it. We get to do it. I love that statement.
0: Oh, it's a great statement. Last question for you. Do do you have a, like, what is your routine Tom, to keep you sane and healthy? This, this profession can drive us crazy. Um, And you know, I don't have many hobbies. I like everybody asks me what's your hobby. I'm trying to find one. I don't I maybe it needs to be golf or ten. I don't
1: know. But
0: what like do you work out every morning? Yeah. Like what's for coaches, what's your health routine?
1: Well, you know, I I, I like the golf, but I golf five times a year. So and then I'm working, I'm trying to get somebody to give NOI money or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so that's not enjoyment. But I uh I, I I was a jogger a lot, you know. I mean, I ran a couple marathons. I, I did work out every day. And and then, you know, the bones start getting worse, the back, the knees. And believe it or not, it's not a Peloton commercial, but I got into the Peloton and it's been great for me. So at least four or five days a week I do that. I still try to walk. But that's what I was telling TD, you know, that you do gotta find something, Chris, if I could give you some advice from a guy who's been through it. Um, because the the last person you care about is you. Yep. Should be the first. Cause if you're better, your players are better. But yep. we always look at, oh, I got another meeting, <laughs> I gotta go to this outing, I gotta go to this speaking engagement. And you don't take care of yourself. I've tried, um, it's nice when I have assistants that almost forced me, you know, let's go for a while. I had Mike Garland forever, and you know, yeah. we do something. Um, so I would advise all the the coaches out there, um, your health is important and you are the head of your program. And I have a, another great saying in my mind, when the head dies, the body follows. Mm -hmm. So the head better be good. The Mm -hmm. head better be good. And if my head is good, I think I have a better chance to shuffle that down to my players. So I would try to take an hour a day, um, you know, do what I say, not what I always do, but I would try to take that hour a day and, and get a workout, get away from it, do something. Peloton's been good for me.
0: That's great. That's great. Tom, I appreciate it. We probably kept you longer than than I promised we would, but uh, th- this is, uh, this has been great. It's just been great. Chopping it up with you. Um, you know how much, uh, how much I think of you and uh, uh, look forward to competing again here soon. And uh, this will be great for coaches of, you know, of all ages at all levels. So uh, much appreciated and enjoy the rest of the summer, brother.
1: Well, TD, thank you. It's great to see you. And Chris, I appreciate it. And let's not compete soon. Let's have a little time off here when recruiting's (laughs) over. And let's take the month of August and be human beings, you know, go work out, enjoy your family. Remember, you got ass assistance, as Jud used to say, and uh, to, to, you know, do some work so the head guy gets some time off. All right, yeah, great to see I'm you. See you see
0: yeah. All right, thanks, thanks Tom. Doug. Appreciate it. All right, thanks to Tom. That was uh, a great couple minutes there um, to discuss coaching and how coaching has changed and. Um, his career and and his success, um, you know, I think the consistency um, of his success is what is uh, is what is what most remarkable. And um, you know, Tom's one of those guys in the game that um, uh, really and truly loves coaching. He loves people. He loves coaching, um, and he's incredibly passionate about it. And um, as much as I'd love to see him. Uh, retire and and move on um, because he's uh, he's so good at what he does Uh, I I certainly I know echo what a lot of coaches feel he's great for our game and uh, hopefully he sticks around for a long time so hope you enjoyed that with uh, with Tom